Hi, everyone. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. We are all remote today. We're going to make this work over Zoom. Thank you, technology. I'm here with Tyler and Nina. Hi. And we have a really special guest today. Um, Heather Chauvet is here with us. Um, I want to I wanna have Nina start in with her bio, and then I'm going to jump right in because I have a feeling this conversation is going to be rich and in-depth and layered, and so I want to get going. So let's start with the bio, and then I'm going to share how I know Heather, and then we'll get started. All right. Today, we have Heather Chauvet with us, who is the author of Dying to Be a Good Mother, as well as a successful personal coach for women looking to expand their potential. She is a firm believer that you are worthy of a life that feels good. Heather is also the co-host of the podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable, alongside her husband, Brian. She is a mother, a wife, and an all-around powerhouse. She absolutely is. Welcome, Heather. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm so excited to have this conversation. Yeah. So I'm going to start by saying, you know, I was telling Heather before we started recording today, um, there's like these moments in your life, these little things that happen that like they happen. And then you can look back years later and go, oh, that was the little thing that turned me down this path. And for me in 2018, Heather was a guest on the Wellness Mama podcast, who we had Katie Wells on a weeks ago or a month ago. And I was in the hot tub listening to her story and listening to some of these really uh, meaningful topics that she was bringing up that I hadn't really considered. And that was my starting point of, oh my gosh, uh, getting a haircut is not self-care. Um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take a look in the mirror here, Katie. And then I think a month later, I signed up for a workshop and I flew out to Canada. I remember feeling so nervous because I had, I was still breastfeeding. I had a baby and Tyler was like, just go like, I'll watch the kids. You're fine. I actually took the kids to Disneyland. So that was pretty, I remember this (laughs) all very clearly. I was like, like, I'm in this woman, this Canadian's car. She's taking me into the woods where we go. And I'm like, just trust me. Just trust me. (laughs) You put us in the middle of nowhere, mind you. So it was a big leap of faith, but I can honestly say I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for you, Heather, because it was listening to that, that literally went, I was, I was on the path left and then I was like, nope, you're going right. And so I have a tremendous, anytime someone's like, what started your journey? I'm like, Heather did. (laughs) So I'd love to start with your story because I think that is what kind of woke me up a little bit to be honest with you so maybe you could we could start there and you could share a little bit about your story yeah so anytime I'm asked to tell my story it's like your story gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the more you like dive into it you're like oh my gosh there's just so many things that bring you to who you are today so to give a quick background in a nutshell version my journey actually started I always say it started mothering like mothering was the the crack for me i have three boys they're currently 18 they keep changing ages and it screws me up 18 13 and 10 um and it, i'm at a unique spot right now because i was 18 when i had my oldest and so who i was when i was 18 all that stuff is coming up for me now and it's like mm-hmm. oh crap i thought i did all this work already and now it's like <laughs> new stopped. layer new layer um but i just remember looking at my son for the first time, I was single. I was on government assistance. I was in a horrific, sick relationship that I knew I had to leave. And I just felt very alone. And like, I was failing because I was already doing mothering backwards. And I remember looking at my son thinking, I don't want to become a statistic. And that was like kind of the mantra that kept going through my mind, but I was living for him. Right. Like I, that was, I don't want to be a statistic for him, not for myself, for him. So my life started to be pushed in a direction of like living for other people. Previous to that, I was this, what people would have perceived as like, you know, this depressed, unmotivated teenager when reality, I was just a critical thinker and a rebel and an empath and like, definitely an entrepreneur at heart and the the current systems I was in just didn't foster that which I'm sure we're all very familiar with and then so as I started like figuring out this mothering journey which reminds me of other areas of your life like business where you're like 
oh crap, there is no like guide for this. Like it's a daily thing. Um, fast forward and I'm learning through my son to understand my emotions, right? I'm like, he needs to meditate. He needs to calm down. He's got anxiety. He's got this. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I fast forward as I'm learning and growing and acquiring all these skills. Um, in meanwhile, I'm a social worker. I become a social worker. I'm working with families in a corporate job. I leave my job. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start my business. There I am, my youngest, still breastfeeding. He's like a year old and my health starts to deteriorate. And I tell myself, I don't have time to solve this problem. My fatigue, my this, my that, these symptoms, this is a part of being an adult. This is a part of being a mother. Like, And people are literally patting me on the back at the exact same time. Oh my gosh, look at you go. You're superwoman. And I felt like I was dying on the inside emotionally, not realizing, not even paying attention that my physical body was deteriorating. And I was diagnosed on December 21st, 2013 with a, with stage four cancer. And, um, at the time I thought, okay, yeah, I'll take care of this. And they looked me dead square in the eyes and they're like, Heather, you need to stop and you need to take care of yourself. And I knew that if I didn't, um, you know, it wasn't something that like I could just manage. I had to completely stop and reverse engineer my whole entire life, or I was physically going to die because my body was deteriorating so rapidly, um, which broke apart my beliefs of, I mean, it broke apart, like surrender, trust, uh, trusting other people with my children, trusting my body, trusting myself, um, trusting experts, but also at the same time, like deeply intuitively listening to myself, advocating for myself. It was an absolute game changer. But after that, I shifted my message in my work because I was very much focused on the parent-child relationship before that happened. And it's still a huge part of like my heart is because I love advocating for children and their emotional needs. But the parents were coming to me just much like yourself, Katie, saying like, my child, my child, my child, but I feel this way or I feel that way. And I was like, this is a relationship. They're here to wake us up. And since that evolution has happened, I've noticed that the clients I work with are also bringing this into their business, bringing this into other areas of their life. And I'm all about like, how good can it get? How good can you feel? Um, and that in itself is an emotionally uncomfortable journey. So that's where I'm at today. God, that's, that's amazing. I just, wow. I want to say one thing and that's, I constantly ask myself this question, like, how would I act if I knew I was going to die tomorrow? They're kind mm. of that stoic mentality. And I think it really helps guide um, your decision-making, but you were faced with this yeah. in your twenties, right? Did I get that right? But you're in your twenties and they're like, yeah, I was 27. I'm literally, literally going to die if I don't change things. Like, like the amount of fracturing your belief systems must have been monumental. Is that true? Yeah. I remember like not caring at all what other people thought. And just this, when you go into that primal, you can call it fight or flight, but that it's not even that it was the primal instinct to survive. Um, and part of, you know, the title of the book dying to be a good, you know, I tell people cross out mother and put whatever your still is, whatever hats you wear, there's parts of yourself that you are killing off to be good for other people. And at that moment, I was like, what do I need to do to survive? And I just remember not even giving any mental energy to what other people thought or letting that those opinions like stick to me. Like I remember my parents projecting their fear onto me because of course their child is there sick, not even caring what they're mentally going through. And I remember also watching myself in the roles that I played, realizing as I'm sitting there in the hospital, my friends were expecting me to be their therapist. And I'm like, wow, like everything was slow motion. And I could see how 
for many, many years, I put myself in a role where I was holding everybody else. And so, yeah, when it comes to like facing your deepest fear of like death and owning that, um, I had to change everything. That's so big. That must've been so scary. So (laughs) where do we go from here? I I always tell people, I'm like, I wish I just taught people how to make green smoothies. Like it's (laughs) not that. I am excited about this conversation. I'm currently pregnant and I'm like, I'm going to buy this book. Like I need to know what's coming next. So I'm so happy you're here. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that Heather did for me was exactly what you said. You summarized it perfectly, Heather. I was on a path for other and you set me on a path to self and self can include other. It's not one or the other. In fact, I argue that it includes other in a more meaningful, emotionally depth positive way. It was that I had to shift the the center focus of what the priority was. And um, so I, that has been part of my goal with reshape is, is I've been joking lately that people come into WeShape to get a workout. And then I'm like, psych, you're actually (laughs) getting all this other stuff (laughs) because the physical act of caring for your body can be a way that maybe some of us have never connected with our body before. And it's sort of like me trying to get people to say, Hey, you don't have to be on the path for other people. You come over here and we can support you in the path for self. Mm-hmm. And I think as I always bring this up and it is what it is, but especially for people who identify as female, we have to acknowledge the cultural system that we're a part of that tells us no, no, no. A path for you is a path of selfishness. It's a path of whatever it's not the right way like your job your worth your value your validation will come from this other path Mm -hmm. and I'd like to tell people that's a lie and that's a trick and I'd like to invite everyone over to this path of connection with self it might mean starting with our workout program right that's fine I'm happy to, to offer that but I also have an intention of offering so much more so that people can really experience that deep meaningful fulfillment of getting alignment with self. So um, let's talk, I know we were chatting a little bit before and I, you know, since we are, since part of our path at WeShape is to help people connect more with their body. I mean, you went through a very um, extreme physical, you know, health problem. And, and I'm just curious, like, what has your journey with your body been like, from that time of recovery to all these big insights to all these shedding all these layers and going down a different path. Like, can you share a little bit more about your journey with your body and where it was and where you are now? Yeah. Um, it's so fascinating because everything that you said, like the, the cultural beliefs that we have, right. Changing, not only changing your belief is what I call emotionally uncomfortable. I don't like to say hard, Um, I think we're all addicted to hard, like, especially when we love to just suffer and do things hard. It's like that doing that email or going for a 10 minute walk, like sending an email, going for a 10 minute walk, doing the reps. It's not actually hard. It's emotionally uncomfortable. Like you're just like, Oh, this hurts like a little bit, but if you lean into that, that's where the magic happens. And so I really invite everyone to question if it doesn't feel good. And what I mean by that, if you're like, why do people do that? That's weird. Question it and then lean into it because I just think it's interesting how people are done. Like we give them what they want, give them what they actually need. I want to lose 20 pounds. Great. You want to lose 20 pounds. You want to feel a certain way in your physical body. You can do that, but it's not you got to connect to the inner world, right? Like the insides of you. So the interesting part is my physical body. I've always been a leaner person. Okay. So growing up, I never, like I needed to quote unquote, lose weight. When I got sick, people physically said to me, I can't believe you got sick. You're a healthy person. You're skinny. And I thought, Mm -hmm. Wow. How messed up is that? Because of the way that I physically looked and the fact that, and making comments that as cancerous tumors are growing in my body, they're saying, well, at least, you know, at least you're losing weight. (gasps) 
Oh and I thought, I, so at that time I could physically observe people and not like grab onto that stuff. And I just thought, wow, look at their suffering, look at their belief system. Right. So I, okay. So in my whole recovery process, I, I created something called energetic time management, which is essentially taking the whole personal development world. And I needed a strategy. It wasn't just about like manifestation and closing your eyes and making a vision board. It was about physically putting how you wanted to feel on your calendar. And so, um, Danielle mm -hmm. Laporte, when I was diagnosed, had her book out called the desire map. And essentially what she would say is it's not the thing that you want. It's the feeling. So I had to take the thing that I wanted, which was to feel strong in my physical body, to feel energized, to feel alive, um, or, or maybe it was lose 20 pounds or gain muscle or run a marathon or climb a mountain, like whatever my physical body, whatever I wanted that to do. But then I just took it one step further, which was what's the feeling that I'm after. Right. So I got alive, strong, and energized. So then I started putting those physical things on my calendar. And at first when I had nothing like meaning no energy, and I was like at my rock bottom physically, I would just do simple things like go for a 10 minute walk or, you know, do some squats, tiny squats, five or 10 squats. Um, I remember walking into a gym. So I already walked in with this mindset of like, I want to feel strong and anything else, like whether I'm quote unquote, losing weight, gaining muscle, that's the added bonus. That's inevitable. It's going to come, but I'm really focused on the feeling because that was like what I was trying to embody and what I was teaching at the time. I had such resistance, not only in my own physical body of not wanting to do something because my identity was not attached to feeling good. I mean, that's a whole other physical conversation, but I had a lot of resistance from the fitness world of not focusing on my weight or not focusing on what I physically looked like. It was very difficult to find healthcare people or fitness people who were aligned with my values. And so I think when you're done with your own bullshit of like, I've gotten to that weight, I've gotten to this, people are patting me on the back and I still feel on, like I still feel dead inside or I'm not fulfilled. You, you got to find another way. And so great, do what you want, but just dive a little bit deeper. So fast forward, I've realized that like my relationship with my physical body is a relationship. Like how I feel about my body is a physical relationship and it changes all the time. Like right now, if I'm being radically honest and vulnerable, I've always had a thing for my legs. Like that's the part of my body where I'm like, you know, every time I gain weight, it just goes there. And I can, I, you know, it's like I'm rubbing them, I'm touching them. And then when I do that, like that's not aligned with how I want to feel. I can still take the physical action to go to the gym or to be mindful of what I eat. But I'm at the point now where I pay attention to Heather, like you're treating yourself like shit. This mm. physical body has not given up on you. Like, do you know what you went through? Like you've had babies, you've had cancer, like, and you're just like sitting there being like, look at you, look at you, like, you know, a little extra fat on your legs or your ass or whatever it is. And so I physically stop myself and I might just be sitting there with my kids drinking a cup of coffee and mentally I'm like, thank you, thank you. Like I catch myself all the time thinking my body and but I can still want more. I can still want to look different, but as I'm doing that, I'm trying to self-coach at the same time. Um, in the last few years, I briefly told you this in boxer Katie, but in 2020, I felt like, you know, there's all these buckets of my life and post-cancer, I, I, you know, I improved all these areas of my life and what I would say got into a state of like thrival. And when COVID happened, the one area that I felt out of control in was my nutrition and my physical body exercise wise, because that was never me. I was never an athlete growing up. It was never something that I dove into. And so then what do I do to feel in control of my emotions? I'm sitting there binging on chips every single night, like a big bag of chips. It's like my kryptonite. And so I started this fitness quote unquote journey 
and I hired, um, well, I was always curious about, I never wanted to get on stage like fitness competition, but I was just curious, like, how did they live that lifestyle? So then I hire someone who, who does like macros and like rigorous workouts, but I'm coming as me. Okay. Like quote unquote, Heather Chauvin with like, how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel? It was so interesting to be in this group of people that were obsessed with how they looked and, you know, I'm being given this rigorous meal plan, this rigorous workout thing. And I'm walking through with the lens of how do I want to feel? How do I want to feel? And proud of myself every single time I'm showing up, but I see and feel the contrast. On the other side of that, a few years later, I realized from the consistency of tapping into the things that I'm not quote unquote good at or an expert in, I can still like look a certain way in my body feel a certain way. But what I really needed was an identity shift with my body and it healed a huge part of my relationship. So now like where I'm sitting today still have great resistance with like getting my daily movement in, but I'm so proud of myself. And I think that proud feeling has translated to, and this makes me emotional, like how proud I am of my body. And mm. when I sit in that feeling, it, it makes me proud of myself on other areas of my life. And that's when I know I'm going to be okay. And that I can accomplish what I want. So facing the contrast of like my, my physical body screaming at me saying like, I'm gonna, you're gonna die. You're good. Like, I, I'm not gonna last if you continue this way. Um, and now listening to my body and saying, no, 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 I can't push that hard today. Or maybe I can, um, it it's like, I'm co-creating my life now with my body. If that makes sense. It does. And I think, um, there's a lot of complexity to this, right? There's a lot of layers to this. And I like to think about it as like yourself being at the center of that. And then your family system and then your community system and then the cultural, it's like all of these layered systems that come into play. And I think that one of the things that you said that our community can really benefit from is there's this belief. And I, and I, and I think you, you touched on this where if I get this thing, then it'll be okay. And what you're saying is you're actually trying to achieve a feeling. You're not trying to achieve the thing. So when I tell people that they want the number on the scale, I said, okay, you can try to get it, but you're just going to get fake fulfillment. It's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be sustainable. It's not really going to be, it's, 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 it's a, it's a trap. And so um, I like to think about it in, in the way of what people think that they have to get to that, to get the feeling. And I'm like, but you could actually just achieve the feeling now. Mm-hmm. And part of that system I'm talking about that's that's way beyond us, that's really systemic by nature, is the idea that there's one body type yeah. out of 8 billion people and that that one body type or that one number on the scale will get you that feeling. So like I had someone in one of our community calls said, well, I just really want to get to this weight because then I'll be able to do this movement. And I was like, I know a ton of people who could do that movement at your weight. So it's not about the weight. It's like, we have to unsubscribe to the idea that the weight really matters or that the body type really matters. What I think you're saying and what I think is true is that the feeling that you're searching for will not come by achieving that number. It will come by connecting with self and figuring out a way to get that feeling regardless of that. Yeah. It's just, it's all backwards. It's all mixed up. And I also think- you know, we can have this conversation and then it's like, we're planting the seed yeah. and then go get that thing that you think is going to give you whatever, because sometimes we need to get there to go, Oh, I get it now. Right. And then it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I've hit this, the number on the scale and I'm like, okay, so what? Like, it truly is about the journey that everybody talks about. Um, but it's fascinating because if you are willing to unlearn, it will naturally happen. But if your mind is fixed and you're just like, nope, I want this, I want this, I want this, then you're not actually going to be able to get that feeling ever. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So um, I really love what you said about focus on the feeling, how you want to feel. Because I feel like so few people 
are thinking about how they want to feel. They're thinking about what they want to achieve, but not the feeling that's associated with that, that they could actually have much sooner if they spend some time in that. Um, the reason why I think this is so interesting, though, and I'm curious how you tackle this, is you mentioned this earlier, and I've experienced this as well. As you're achieving, as you're doing the things that society says is what you want to do, people reward you. They say, you're a this and you're a that, keep going, blah, blah. And you're you're gaining this feeling and this these dopamine hits of like, wow, let me keep ignoring what my body's saying to me. Let me keep ignoring what my soul is trying to say to me. And so how do you get someone to recognize the difference between, hey, this is coming from myself and this is what I really need and want. And hey, this is coming from the outside world and what I'm being rewarded for. Because I feel like it's a nuanced detail that's very difficult for some people to to fracture that apart. Yeah, because we're all seeking validation. Like, yeah. and I always like to be to ask, like, who are you seeking validation from? And it usually comes back from like mom or dad, right? So um our podcasts always lead back to childhood. It's so I know adorable. it's annoying. Yes, every guest says. I will, I will tell you a very vulnerable moment was when I was diagnosed. My first thought is maybe my father will notice me now. Ooh. Ooh. That was my first thought, and I thought, "Wow, are you kidding me?" And I, I also don't subscribe to like maybe I manifested this because there's a lot of like shame there. And I think a lot of, you know, what life happens where we are having the human experience. So when quote unquote, bad things happen, um, oh, you manifested that. And that's like, oh, wow. Like, please don't throw that in somebody's face. Right. But the fact that that was one of my first thoughts, I was aware enough to be like, okay, there's a daddy issue that you need to focus on. And, and so when I'm doing something, like even with my physical body, uh, example, I ran a marathon um, in October and this was my, like a full marathon. So there's a journal prompt that I use a lot uh, and I invite everybody to use it is wouldn't it be nice if, and wouldn't it be nice if I've been using this journal prompt forever is because it's not, what do you want? It's wouldn't it be nice if I could run a marathon? Wouldn't it be nice if I weighed this weight? Wouldn't it be nice if I could do this movement? Like just write that out. Wouldn't it be nice if, and I wrote down, wouldn't it be nice if I ran a full marathon because I didn't think I was capable of it, but I remember committing to running it like training for it, meaning not just going to couch to marathon in a week, right? Like some people do. And because I didn't want to hurt myself, I was like, I don't care what my time is. And I was physically the last person I, I don't identify as a runner. And my body is not, uh, if you saw me running, you'd be like, yeah, she's not going to win any races, but it doesn't matter because I did it. And I remember watching my friends be like, you ran a marathon, especially like my high school friends. Like you couldn't even run around the block. Like, what was that? And I said, it's not about the time. Stop obsessing about the time, obsess on how you want to feel. But it was interesting because I didn't really seek any validation from anyone during that time, but the validate, like what was coming at me of like, good for you, good for you. And I'm like, I just truly believe that people are also living vicariously through others that are doing the things like, yes, yes. And I was like, why are you so interested that I'm doing a, like a full marathon? Because you want to do one and you won't give yourself permission to do it. So I'm always questioning who am I like that, that hit that you're getting, like the, the rush of the hormones, you know, sometimes I'm like, am I just crazy? Am I just like an adrenaline junkie? Like, what is this stuff? Why do I always challenge myself? And I think we're always going to question, like, who am I actually doing this for? And then there'll be a different season of your life where you're like, yeah, I don't care anymore. Like I'm in the season now where I'm like, I could, t I just want to get rid of all of my social media. I don't really care. I just like, I'm not here to scream and yell at people. It, those who want change will be attracted to my message. Those who don't will just go do the thing. I'm not here to convince anybody to feel good anymore. And where before I was like, hello, hello, hello. Like the world needs to know this because I was trying to be like, I have purpose. I have purpose. Everybody needs to know. And I think it's okay to be like, whatever season you're in, just be in it. And then you're going to heal parts of yourself. Be like, why am I different now? And that's okay. That's okay. It's it's an evolution, just like your body's constantly growing and changing. Yeah. So I think I hear you saying that like, 
you know, for for me, and this is part part of one of the pillars of We Shape is examining beliefs because it's that curiosity that provokes that question of why am I doing this? And it allow it's like examining beliefs. If we don't examine our beliefs, the door shut. This is who we are. This is how we are. Mm-hmm. And it's not until we crack the door to our belief systems that we can invite questions in like, how do I want to feel? And, you know, I, I've said this a hundred times and, and people have told me like, you won't be able to make this company work because uh, people don't care about how they feel. They just care about how they look. But the funny thing is, since we've started We Shape, when I give another woman or even a man permission to say, you can just unsubscribe from that. We don't have to do that anymore. I thought there was going to be a lot more resistance and people are like relieved. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, I can just focus on how I feel. Thanks. It's like unsubscribe from those people on social media, unsubscribe from that cultural channel that you're a part of. Just go a different way because that's what I'm trying to get people to do is I'm trying to get people to feel their body, to to feel something in their body that's not really aligned with the society and the cultural messages that they were brought up in or are currently a part of. And so I think just keeping that that curiosity like you're talking about and just openness to how do I want to feel. Um, but it's so tricky, Heather, because like before I even heard that podcast if someone said, how do you feel? I feel great. Mm. <laughs> I'm great. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> That's what I was kind of getting at, right? It's like we, we spend so much time lying to ourselves in pursuit of what we think is important. And like you said, some people need to get there and then you get there and you then you have this dark night of the soul of like, this isn't bringing any joy. And the whole time you just had to ask that question, how do I want to feel and start chasing that direction? Like you had such a profound experience that forced you to do this in such a fast way. How do people manufacture that in their lives? How do people say, hold on, let me not attach to what everybody else thinks I should do and really connect with themselves and say, what do I need? So I think that is the biggest, that's the journey, which is, am I actually living for myself or am I living for other people? Um, And I will hear a lot of women at the end of our time together say, I didn't realize I was living out of fear, let alone for other people, right? Like I remember making a meal for myself and physically being paralyzed in guilt because it was a meal that I wanted to eat or there were, and I knew that my children, well, regardless if they ate it or not, that's a whole other conversation, but it was, it was just like, I don't want to deal with that, but doing something just for me that literally took five, 10 minutes the paralyzing fear or guilt that was kind of there. I think you have to question, just question and lean in. A lot of times when I ask people, what do you, what do you desire? Wouldn't be nice if they're like, I didn't understand what you were asking me. Like, what do I desire? I desired everyone listen to me so that I don't have to feel my feelings. My podcast used to be called mom is in control because women wanted control. I'm like, control is not a feeling. Like you think like you're controlling externally because you feel in out of control internally. And then I shifted it to emotionally uncomfortable for multiple reasons, because joy is emotionally uncomfortable. Feeling good is emotionally uncomfortable. So Tyler, where do we start? What do we do? Right? Step one, I tell people, write down that list. Wouldn't it be nice if write down all the quote unquote things you want. And it could be a number on a scale. Like, let's just give you permission that you were living in systems that value that. Just write it down. It's okay. Right. It's okay. I also had a lot of shame. If I was like, I don't feel like myself at this number, let's try. Do I need to physically lose weight? Like just play with it, be curious, but write it down. Okay. What feeling do you think you're going to get at that number? Great. Now ask yourself this, and this has nothing to do with the physical body. So step one, wouldn't it be nice if step two, what is the feeling next to those things you want? Step three is you're going to ask yourself, when have I felt energized in my life? When have I felt alive? And you might have to go, you may like for me, I asked myself that after being diagnosed and I was like, Oh, wow. That's even more terrifying because I don't remember a time in my life when I felt alive. That was actually my biggest fear. It's like, I'll feel alive. And I'm like, Oh, that's scary. 
I don't remember a time. I don't even remember a time as a child that I felt alive. So then I started looking at other people and go, they look alive. They look happy. But then here's the interesting part. I started writing down those to-do lists, right? Okay, go to a cafe and spend stupid amount on a latte, bring a journal, um, write that down. You're going to put that that time on your calendar. Okay, go for a walk, right? So I had my my feeling to-do list, which had nothing to do with my physical body. Started putting those feelings on the calendar, either things that I remember. And women will say, I used to love to dance. I used to love art. I used to love whatever. I'm like, do it 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. But here's the thing. When you start doing those things, whatever is inside of you needs to come up and out. And I think that's where people get confused because they're like, Heather, this doesn't feel good. I'm going, I'm creating that space for myself that I crave. And all I feel is guilt. All I feel is overwhelmed. It's actually worse. So I'm like, yeah, you got to go through that emotional detox mm. It needs to come up and out before you can even let in the good, like the good feelings. And that moment, that's the emotionally uncomfortable moment. And so rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And one day you wake up and you're like, holy crap, I think I'm fulfilled a little bit today. And that is the energetic shift while you're still going after your goals and visions and ambitions. And then you get to rewrite the story of, am I enough right now? Even if I don't feel enough, I have to settle in that beating myself up internally that's not aligned with how I want to feel. So I can still take that action, but I'm going to do it a little mentally softer on myself. I, I really love that. Sorry, I just have to jump in because I feel like a lot of what I'm hearing is just getting in touch with your body, getting in touch with your feelings, listening to those feelings deeply. And I also heard you say that um, joy is uncomfortable and emotionally uncomfortable or suffering is uncomfortable. And I have this really strong belief that you know, if we really look underneath our suffering and we really lean into it, we find things like anger and shame and guilt. And underneath that, we find fear. And underneath that, we find sadness. And underneath that, we find compassion. And underneath that, we find forgiveness. And underneath that, we find gratitude. And underneath that, we find joy. And underneath that joy, we find more suffering. And it just keeps looping over and over again. And I think so many people think that life is about living in that joy all the way. But to me, what I've come to at least realize is it feels like not attaching to anything and watching it flow and going with the flow of these things is what's more important for feeling really fulfilled life. Um, I'm saying all this stuff. And the question that I have in my mind, since you have three boys is this, when I was young, when I felt feelings, I was said, go to your room and come out when you figured it out. Right. So nobody ever handled this. And literally it was like eight years ago. I remember our therapist slid a laminated sheet across the table and said, how does this make you feel? And I had to read from a piece of paper, how I felt because I was so out of touch with it. What are you doing with your boys right now to help them really get in touch with those feelings and start to understand them in a much more deep and meaningful way so they can relate to the world in that, in that way as well? I love that you asked this. Um, I've actually started attracting more men, like working privately with them because I'm getting these DMs. Um, and, or it's like the partners of the people that I'm working with. And everyone talks about oppression for women and diverse communities and all of that. And my son, my 18 year old will say to me, yeah, the world hates, you know, white men right now. And he's like, I'm screwed or whatever. And I said, my goal. So first of all, I'm the only female in the house. I have one female dog, one out of two. And I have a lot of anger and resentment towards men in my life. I say towards men, but not really. I think it's just like the women's like, oh, we got to do it all. And like all of this internal stuff of like, I make my own suffering by it. Cause it's like ask for help. But I have had to learn a lot that the male brain and the female brain are designed differently. And there's, there's power in both. Right. So how can the yin and the yang, how can we dance together? Um, so the reason why I'm saying this is because one, I think just role modeling that I talk about my feelings and all of that, but it took me a very long time to understand that my boys will not communicate the way that I communicate with a female brain. And 
I get, I hear it all the time when my, my boys will say to me, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm like, that's okay. I can just plant little tiny seeds that your feelings matter. Right. Um, also conscious parenting was the huge like opener for me. Um, I've never done things like that. I think we're in a generation where our, we're parenting differently than our parents. did. so anytime my kids are crying, I'm like, don't stop crying. You know, I'm like, don't send them to the room. There's just so much that's different about that. I'm like, Oh, what happened there? And I know that I'm probably still screwing them up in some capacity when it comes to the feelings and all the things. Um, I even watch my oldest uh, transition from, you know, childhood to adulthood. And I can feel my, I even mentally think this where I'm like, I know I treat him differently than if he was um, a girl, like if I was raising a daughter where I'm like, you should be stronger. Like in my head, I'm like, get over this. And I'm like, wow, don't do that. So I'm like, what's going on right now? So I try really intentionally to create the space to, to invite all of the feelings. And a lot of times I will just say things like, I love you randomly. I love you. Meaning the reason why I do that, a text, just walking by them. And the reason why I do that is I expect nothing from you. And I still love you. Um, also I will say to him, um, I'm really proud of you for, for moving through this. Um, and yeah, so I know that there's still a lot of learning and growing, but I think if I can create just a tiny bit of space for them to, to feel safe, to feel, um, I know that will be the place that they can land in a world that, um, does not think that men should have feelings. And, and I have personally said that to my husband, I said, sometimes when I get mad or frustrated, um, I tell myself that you don't have feelings. And the reason why I tell myself that is because culturally that's how you've been taught. And it's been interesting to see how I am growing and evolving, how he has been open to learning as well. And he has said to me over and over and over again, you are like, you've been doing this so much longer than me. I'm just learning how to express my feelings. So you're going to have to give me a minute to process this. And that frustrates me too. And that's my work. Yeah. yeah. You got to take space and you got to figure out how to get in touch with those and communicate those. Cause sometimes when you, they bubble up, you're like, Hey, I'm looking at you for the first time. I'm not ignoring you, but I don't know how to label you. I don't know how to communicate you. And it's so important because, you know, I know that um, chauvinism is a real thing. I know that women have been oppressed so much more than men. Um, but I also know that men need positive male role models who say it's okay to cry. It's okay to 100%. feel your feelings. And um, I just, I feel sad for young boys who just don't have that experience. Whose dad will say crying's for, for pussies and go to your room until you figure stuff out. So I always say pussies are strong. <laughs> Anytime I hear somebody say, like, say pussy, I'm like, pussies are strong. Like I just yeah. yell it out. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, um, or don't cry like a girl. I'm like, women are amazing. Like I'm just yeah. constantly <laughs> yelling out random things. And it's like, we're just unlearning, undoing constantly. I just try to stay open. Like I'm not an expert. I'm just trying to, I, I tell my kids, I'm like, I'm just trying to do a little bit better than my parents did. I'm going to mess you up in some capacity and it's going to be your job. It's like, I'm passing the baton to you. But um, when I had that belief previously of like, oh my gosh, parenting is so overwhelming and I need to undo all the things and relearn. That was a huge weight to, to carry. I also try to show up as a, as a, I say a coach, but what I mean by that is, Hey, I don't have the answer for you. What do you think? And that has shifted and taken a lot of pressure off as well. So it's funny just to watch them be little mirrors. I was laughing because last month we were at the dinner table and I had to take a call and I looked at Tyler and I said, is it okay if I go take this call really quick? And my five-year-old looked at me in like disgust. She was like, he's not your dad. You don't have to ask for permission. <laughs> I and that. I was like, you're going to be fine. I'm okay. We're all okay. Yeah. <laughs> we I, feel bad. I feel bad for the next generation of men who have to deal with <laughs> girls like this. I mean, wow. They're going to come in. And, it is, it is be a, an expectation yeah, is what they're going to do. It's intense to raise empowered children. Yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely is. And I uh, appreciate that perspective because I do think we're all just doing the best that we can. And, and that's another part of when people join shape. I'm like, let's just all have radical acceptance of self and other, because like someone might be coming in at this place and 
this person might be in this place and we might have to go through these different experiences and just like extinguishing and understanding that like you know i had i had this old old mentor in child development in years ago she always would tell us like you're going to come in as a teacher and you're going to have belief systems and understandings and science and research and developmental psychology to support your narrative mm-hmm. and parents are just doing the best they know how to do and really that that can just be applied to everybody all of us and i and i like to think about it like when when i am ever like judging another person like why are they doing it that way so if i can catch myself i'll spend well, because the millions of micro experiences that have put that person together, of course they did it that way because that was their experience. Like, yeah. of course you can't relate because your millions of micro experiences put together like a big puzzle would have looked differently. And so yeah. I try to remind myself that it's not just like this simple black and white thinking. It's it's human beings are complex and we all have history. We all have generational curses. We all have all of these things that make us who we are today. And so rather than people coming in our community and me saying, well, you should go this way. It's like, why don't we just have radical acceptance and we shape can have some offerings that might offer, that might lead to deeper connection with self. And if it does wonderful. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. And I think that that's just a really important concept to like offer other, but we really can't offer other radical acceptance until we really offer that for ourselves. Mm. And that is a, that can be a lifelong journey, right? To accept all the parts. And so I think that's partly what you're saying too, is when you when you practice these exercises and cultivating the feeling that you hope to have, it becomes uncomfortable because you get quiet. And when you get quiet, things come up. And what I hear you saying is let those things come up. It's part of the human experience. Know that you've been trained to push those things down. Know that you don't have to and allow the process to unfold because it will be a magical experience if you can trust that process. Yeah. And something that you just said, we never want to be in, I don't know any human that wants to be in a relationship with a digital person. You can feel it. Like you're in, you walk into the room and you, you, you can feel the relation of the judgment being projected onto you. Nobody feels safe in those environments, right? Well, if we are, I mean, we're human, so we're constantly judging, like that's the thing, but you catch yourself, you're turning it around. The softer you get of like, huh, I'm curious as to why they do that. But you realize the the perceived judgment on others is actually reflected back on you of how much we're actually judging ourselves. And I had this, uh, I had a perfect scenario yesterday of somebody who was hypercritical of somebody else. And then I just looked at her and I said, you know, we love Byron Katie, cross her name out, write yours. And her, the, her face was like, I said, I wonder if that is, is connected to why you're not getting results. And she was like, I'm going to end this call now. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I love that. Take your judgments, cross their name out and put yours. And it's such a very actionable thing. I think people can do to like, look in the mirror and say, Whoa, what am I, what am I really feeling insecure about? So much of this conversation, Heather has been about leaning into the uncomfortable, right? And not running away from it. And I just love it. I think it's such a wonderful approach. And I'm just grateful that you're sharing it with the world and you're telling people not to run away from it because the gold is behind that, you know, fearful wall of fire that feels like emotional unsafety, right? And you have to go through that in order to find the other side. And focusing on something like the number on the scale is really just a distraction from that experience. So knowing that, that that okay maybe but it's also a distraction from that and i i know we're coming up on time but i also know that you know nina has been my dear friend for many years and um has seen sort of the work that i did with you and has been right by my side you know we've been there for each other throughout our own journeys and i want to make sure i have enough time to see if anything's come up for you nina or if you have any questions or comments or anything for heather I have been such a sponge. I apologize. Normally I'm like such a talker and I'm like, I need to listen. Like I'm, that's the message I'm getting from this call is like, I need to listen because I am stepping into motherhood for the first time in a short while, which I'm very excited about, but it's really overwhelming. And I've also, again, like you said, Katie, been your friend for a long time. And I watched you when you had children and I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to 5150 my friend. Like, this is not going to go well. Like, 
Um, and there's there and like just trusting the uncomfortable and like trusting the process, trusting yourself. I think women get a lot of messages. Um, people who identify as female, everyone really get messages that like, you're not to be trusted. Whatever you think is not right. Someone else is an authority. Someone else is going to know better than you. And, um, you know, on the inside, I just feel like I'm 13. Most of the time <laughs> I'm like, where's my mom to tell me how to do this? Um, and that's not how life works as an adult. And so like, I just value everything you shared with us so much. Um, I'll definitely be purchasing your book. <laughs> um, and I, I really don't have anything to say except for just to echo what both of you shared. It's, it's really been beautiful to sit here and, and, and be able to soak it up. I love that. Well, Heather, tell people where they can find you. Cause I know you have your book, you have your podcast, your social. So tell, tell people where they can find you. Cause I'd love to give people additional resources. Yeah. So you can find everything on my website at Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com. Um, I hang out on my podcast a lot. So emotionally uncomfortable and the book dying to be a good mother um, can be purchased any books sold online. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so this has been a, a, a really incredible experience for me to go from listening to that episode in the hot tub by myself and having this like punch in the face, right? It was kind of like, if you don't wake up, you are headed where this person is. So what are you going to do? And, and then to be here with you and to be um, trying my best supporters in their journey. So I, I have a lot of gratitude for you. And I'm, and I'm so grateful that you could join us today. I'm so grateful. And I love that the company, your company is headed in this direction because I think it's the ripple effect. And you know this, that when people are like, you can't do that, but yet you lean in and try, you're going to attract those people that are ready to receive it. And so I just want to say thank you because it's a, it's an exam. It makes me emotional. It's an example that to keep showing up and doing the work because on some days I don't, right? Like you don't. And you're just like, why, why, why do I need to do this? And so whether it's, you know, learn, you know, developing or deepening that relationship with your body or your health, if you don't give up and you quit, you play this game of constantly leaning in and questioning and just pursuing how to feel more alive. Not only are you going to change your physical body and world and people are watching you, but I believe this is how we actually change the world, which is the most unselfish thing we can do. Mm, so I you. love that. So to leaning into self is the most unselfish thing we can do. Yeah. It's a great note to Woo! end on. Well, thank you so much, Heather. And uh, I hope you guys check her out online. She's got a lot of great offerings. We will see you next week. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.